0: with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is an independent music podcast. And speaking of which, that song that played us in was called Under the Moon, and it is from the album "Under you- Open Your Heart. And it is performed by Charlene He, who is my guest today. Uh, you might know her from some Apatow films and some television shows. She's also a gifted artist, musician, and, um, we talk about her transition from film and TV and stuff into music. Uh, I've known Charlene a long time. We met about 15 years ago in the comedy world. and uh, But we never like hung out or talked much. And then we started messaging on Twitter. And I, it dawned on me that she does music. So I went and listened. And I became obsessed with it. And I love her music. I love all of her art. She's insanely, incredibly talented individual, uh, a powerhouse, if you will. And, uh, so please, all things Charlene Yee are in the show notes. So please check out her music. And, uh, speaking of the show notes, there's also a link to the Trans Housing Coalition, uh, which Charlene did, um, Charlene did my new logo for the show, which I love. Um, and uh instead of paying her, she said, make a donation. So and she said, make the donation to the Trans Housing Coalition. It's a great organization. Uh so please maybe also go make a donation, uh, which just shows you how goddamn cool Charlene Yee is. Uh, uh speaking of show notes, you can also go and find uh my my link tree is linked there, so you can go find all things Dwire, uh conversations with Dwyer, um Instagram is a great way to uh, find out about past episodes and upcoming episodes and current episodes. And also my Patreon is linked in there. So if you're enjoying the show and uh, you want more extra bonus material, longer interviews, all kinds of things that uh, go in there and and subscribe and support the show, that would mean a great deal to me. And um, speaking of conversations with Dwyer, I forgot to mention Charlene uh, in one of the early Uh, versions of the logo she sent me, she wrote Conversations with Dwyer instead of Matt Dwyer and I was like, I like that better because most people call me Dwyer makes more sense, so that's what the show's going to be called from now on Uh, though in a couple of, some of the future episodes there might have the old intro of me saying Matt Dwyer because um, I'm always recorded ahead of, way ahead of schedule, but that being said, I love the logo there's going to be some merch and all that stuff coming with it and uh, I think I covered everything in the show announcements here. So why don't we just uh, get to the conversation with Charlene Yee. The one who me. Speaking of like 15 years ago in comedy, I've recently like come to terms with the fact that i was never very good at it <laughs> it's like it was like i was like looking at old stuff and listening to some like ramblings on the old podcast and i was like man i was just obnoxious
1: well i was too though i was like I, I, like i get ashamed thinking about how i tried to be funny <laughs> it's so people think like God, I was, like, desperate for the last, man. I really didn't know what funny was either. I was just like, um, I don't know if you were like, one of the reasons why I quit was, like, I found myself just, like, echoing ideas that I didn't think were mine. I was like, no, that's not funny at all. Just because someone said something terrible was funny, why would I repeat that?
0: That's interesting to me because I remember, to me, and... I am not the most alert person in the world, but like to me, it's appeared as if you came out of nowhere. I remember; I think one of the first times I saw you was at um, shit. What's the venue in Silver Lake? The old uh, where they have where they have the flamenco dancers. Uh, El Cid. El Cid, and you just like killed, and it was I, uh, and it was sort of this electric think where everyone was like, that was incredible. And people were like, I remember you coming off stage and people like approaching you. It yeah. like, to me, it seemed like it, you were very funny and that things just happened quickly. Is that not how that was?
1: I think, I think I, uh, uh, I, I, the innocent stuff where it was like just me daydreaming. I'm like, wouldn't that be funny? I, I enjoy that sort of stuff. Cause it felt more like variety show type of like, I'm a big fan of like Harpo Marx, that sort of stuff. But then I think as I hung around, around a lot of ignorant people, I became ignorant too. (laughs) (laughs) It's so sad. I'm like, oh, like, do I have no barriers about like what, what like affects me? You know, I was like, I think you are what you surround yourself.
0: Yeah. Did you feel like you clicked within the comedy world?
1: Um, no, I think simultaneously, I mean, I was a child, I was like 18 and, uh, I think emotionally I was like 15, you know, <laughs> <laughs> That's... And so I had no idea what people were talking about, like life experiences. I'm like, I haven't lived.
0: <laughs> um, I don't know, I just, I remember, and like, you know, stand-ups, because I've read something where you, or maybe we talked about it, I can't remember, we've had so many exchanges, but like, people were telling you not to call it performance art, and I don't, I feel like there's so many weird labels, and like, in the comedy world, where like, especially stand-up, they're like, that's not stand-up, and I'm like, who fucking cares, like, it's just performance. Like shouldn't anyone be able to do what they want without labels or boundaries?
1: Yeah. I mean like, you know, um, I wasn't alive at the time, but vaudeville Bob- Bodillion stages had like sad songs and storytelling and comedy. There was the whole range of different type of communicating, as where there's it's very limited to like this is what stand-up is, here's the box, you don't fit in it. Don't call yourself a performance artist or you're um or you'll you'll come off arrogant or something. So <laughs>
0: like, I was like, "Oh, go ahead." Oh, I just the I just and not to like poo poo on like the stand up comedy world, but there is sometimes just such a limited way of thinking of, or, or about the approach that I, I think was one of the reasons I, I started getting frustrated.
1: I I think, um, it's good right 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 around the time I quit it started um, changing a lot. It became super alternative, so anything kind of went. So it's a funny funny thing to be, like, battling uphill to try to find a space that accepts your kind of material, and then by the time you feel like, ah, this is, I don't like this. <laughs> like, they are like, <laughs> like, yeah, goodness, yeah, anything goes, you know?
0: But I feel like your ascent was pretty. I mean, like I don't know what the time frame was between like you starting to do comedy and then starting to be in movies. But it seemed.
1: Oh uh, yeah, it was super fast. Like I, I was such a nerd that I, <laughs> I wrote down every performance I ever did and counted the performances. So like, I remember like my my first paid gig was like, so thirty. But by paid, I mean twenty dollars, and I. And then shortly after that, they're like, Do you want to audition? And I was like, for for movies, and I was like, No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but then they, they were like, Do You want some food money? And I was like, Oh my god, I would love food money. So yeah, sure I'll audition, but I'm not very good at this. So
0: Was that dizzying to be suddenly like, Hey, I'm just doing this thing to being in big movies?
1: I didn't, well, I I still don't own a TV, which I know, like, that's a stereotype, like, oh, hipster doesn't have a TV. But I haven't (laughs) had a TV since I was 18 and lived with my parents. So I didn't know the films I was in, like, who they were. So it didn't, it just meant, like, a paycheck. And hopefully I was with like-minded kind of people who were supportive. So it didn't really mean too much to me as far as, like status or it being a big hollywood thing i was just like i don't know who judd apatow is as long as he's nice so. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: i don't see anything I, I i wish i could live without a tv uh, i did for years and it's like i felt like it took some adjusting and but then it's like after a while you just it just becomes normal and then you do other things to bide your time. Usually, that make your brain better.
1: And now everything's on the internet, so it's funny. I've been actually catching up from the '90s most recently, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and all the weird, strange things that I've been trying to find for decades. I'm I'm finally finding like weird old, rare movies from like the 1920s that I've been searching. So it's it's kind of um, amazing and also overwhelming.
0: Um. Well, just because I, I love Harpo Marx as well, when did you get discover Harpo? Because, like, I don't know, the, the Marx... But when I was a kid, because I'm a thousand years older than you, like, the local TV stations would play the Marx Brothers movies all the time, and it was, like, just this omnipresent thing that I instantly fell in love with. When did you come across the Marx Brothers? Um,
1: when I was a little kid uh, living at my grandma's house, when I was, like, five, I was watching... Um, the I Love Lucy show a lot And so when Harpo made a guest experience, uh, Appearance On that I was like who is that guy And then when the 90s came and the internet Was available there is I just looked up every clip of him On YouTube but um, Yeah I'm, 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 I'm Embarrassed to say I still haven't seen Any of the March movies <laughs>
0: But if you saw the bits I mean the movies aren't like The plots are so They're just like weak and loose and it's just a means to string the bits together. So I don't really—you've probably seen him just not—and you kept out the boring plot stuff. That's really just grueling. <laughs> it's like...
1: Oh, also, when I was in college, I when we went to college for like two quarters, but I'd gotten a fever, and fever was so severe, I got lost in the library, and I stumbled across um, his autobiography, and I started reading it there, and so that's when I actually became really fascinated by him because i mean i think half of what he wrote was a lie but (laughs) it's it's very entertaining
0: i don't i've read it but it was so long ago i don't remember what would be lies and i just the only thing that really stuck out to me was about how he adopted so many children that he wanted one in each window which i thought was like the sweetest thing on earth
1: i i hadn't finished the reading the book either
0: (laughs) (laughs) we should start a book podcast where we don't finish the book (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know I, I only got to chapter one
1: like everything I'm referencing to I'm like well I actually don't know what I'm talking about I don't
0: know. <laughs> but that's I I mean my book table is a stack of books that I've gotten halfway through and sometimes I get arrogant where I'm like eh, I, I get what you're saying I don't need this <laughs> it's like which is not true but I yeah. get, that's uh but that sums up Pretty much my whole life It's like, yeah, I got this And then, like, putting a table together And then it'll break a week later
1: Well, the the harper Marx book He's name-dropping all these celebrities Which just, you know, not knowing who they are And not caring It just sounds like Oh, and Harper was hanging out with And (laughs) And there's, like, two chapters name-dropping and Without, like, context of who they are So I just kind of zoomed out at that chapter
0: Harpo doesn't seem like a name dropper. That's kind of, you would think Harpo would be a little bit more cool than that.
1: Maybe he wasn't name dropping. Maybe he was just trying to say, these are the people I'm hanging out with, but it just meant nothing without descriptions of who they were, you know? Yeah. Like, character-wise, like, what kind of human beings they were.
0: Yeah, I, I was a big nerd, so I knew a lot, like, about that era at, like, the Algonquin Round Table. so I knew, like, at least vaguely knew some of those names but that's just cuz I got obsessive about that whole but, but w- with comedy w- when when did you start feeling like you needed or wanted to move away from it
1: um i think that, i think you know in the beginning it, it was really what i was performing was very written and very innocent and then when i started improvising on stage i, I kind of started realizing um how troubled I was and toxic (laughs) as far as my unconscious of like the upbringing I was raised in as far as like uh jokes that were punched down versus punching up you know where uh, it demeans someone or makes someone different for like for a, a punchline you know I think I started realizing I couldn't trust my insides and so unconsciously I started um Hang out with musicians who I thought were more hilarious <laughs> 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 because they were genuine and when they talked like their jokes came from truth um opposed to um prejudice and and I started going to therapy as well to to deal with my insides so I could trust myself more but um yeah organically I just I, I didn't even know why I'd stopped performing I think one day someone was like, hey, when are you performing? And I realized two years had passed. And I was like, oh, crap, maybe I'll do a a comeback show and then retire again. (laughs) 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 Farewell show. Uh, But yeah, maybe... I think in my mid-20s, I I stopped, like 25 or 26 or something. I'm I'm 34 now. So I guess, wow, that was like 10 years ago. Holy crap. (laughs)
0: That's um, But that's... Pretty amazing to me that you were aware of what was going on, because I think most people, and I like, I think if I was like starting to do movies and stuff, I would probably would have stuck it out and self destructed. (laughs) But I think that says a lot about you that you were like, all right, I'm going to get out of this and do something else.
1: Well, I think. I think, you know, the, the if, if I'm to be really honest, when I was younger, there's this like misunderstanding of like fame means respect and no one like being oppressive towards you, you know. <laughs> um, and I saw so many people around me become super famous and them have less boundaries respected, you know, and a less sense of themselves. And so that horrified me really early. I remember going to Sundance for um, independent <laughs> Uh, paper Heart, and I remember being like, please don't make me famous, please don't make me famous, all this movie just make me famous, and just, like, really wanting to take a backseat as far as, like, um, wanting, because I never really had a childhood, so I wanted to kind of just, you know, have a couple bands and experience and date and make friends my own age, because most of my friends, which I still had these friends, were, like, 50 or 60, <laughs> you know, and I was, like, 19, 20, so it, it was nice to kind of create a community which I felt like was more um, going to satiate the void in
0: me. Um, I, yeah, it's interesting, too, because while I was doing comedy, I started hanging around musicians more, and I I think that became my core group of friends, and I appreciated their sense of humor. Like, there was just a different... It was very refreshing and less pressure than being around other comedians.
1: Yeah, I, I mean... I I always felt really anxious around comedians because I realized when I thought they were talking with me in a conversation, I realized they were actually practicing a set on me and talking. <laughs> and and like even I have like maybe two friends that are comedians, and most recently maybe a year and a half ago, I found out that one lunch I had with them that was an hour and a half ended up being their stand-up set. Like, I was so fucking angry. I, I, I should bring it up with them, but I'm like, I gotta pick my battles. I'm just exhausted.
0: Yeah, I could never get on board with that, like, endless stream of bits and jokes that people would do in bars. And I just was like, can't we just talk about something? Anything? Just not... Like I never watched comedy. I don't. I really never gave a fuck about it. Like I didn't watch it. I didn't study it. I didn't. I didn't really. I should have listened to my insides and got out sooner.
1: I think we all have our different breaking points, and also like, I think, I th- I don't. I didn't even think it was like conscious. Like I wasn't aware that I got out. Did you? Did you make a distinctive choice to get out?
0: I yeah. I had an album come out that's not very good (laughs) it has moments like the side side one is live and side b is like studio stuff and i did like a song with mike o'connell and so there's like things that i'd like about it but uh and after the album came out i was like all right i'm gonna just scrap everything and i'm gonna start doing stand-up again like start a whole new act and I think I went out and did two shows and one of them was like during the Emmys or Grammys and like there was no one there and they still just were like, "Yeah, we're going to do the show." I'm like, "There's no one here." <laughs> it's like and I was just like, "I can't do this anymore." Plus I had a kid and I'm just like, "I don't want to I want to be a present father. I don't want to be like gone and it's st- like I've that sort of the kid and the wife Filled yeah. the, filled that void that I didn't need to be like like me, <laughs> it was like it was like oh I I have love I don't need this anymore
1: yeah and I, and I think even with what you're doing with your your talk I'm gonna say call it a talk show um, <laughs> with your talk <laughs> show it, it you know it is conversations like the title it's like a back and forth where there's like energy exchanged and it's it's it, I don't know to me that seems um, I mean people. I admire people who do do stand up that I do like. And I, um, even the people who I don't like, you know, just for somebody else, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, conversations are fantastic. You know, there's like, and that's what you found out you like. I was like, it, it, I think we have to like go a couple routes until we find it. I also feel like for, I
0: felt like I could never fully like express myself doing stand up Like, I felt, like, frustrated, and maybe I just couldn't find it. I mean, Pryor definitely exposed himself emotionally, but I couldn't, I couldn't get over that hump, and I just felt like I wanted to do write longer. Like, essays and short stories seemed to be a better way of getting out a lot of... And I could, without the pressure of having to be funny all the time yeah. as well. Did you find that limited, like like you weren't fully able to express yourself?
1: I I think within the medium as well as not knowing myself well enough that I was kind of writing like absurdist like escapism jokes or variety shows that were themes like that. And I think after I took time away, I I most recently... um, realized I'm I'm a sad if I if I were to be called a comedian I'm sad I'm a sad comedian which isn't that funny but I'm a hilarious poet <laughs> which is fantastic so it's weird that like line it's like you just change the phrasing of it and you find out you thank god this poet has a sense of humor <laughs> which which also is like um I mean it, the 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 things I write about are more honest and more personal as where I think before I wasn't writing as personal
0: uh yeah, was that was there like a journey into that? Because I know when you start opening up yourself like that, it's terrifying, but yet it's also thrilling to sort of to do it to to expose yourself and to uh, people uh, emotion.
1: Yeah. Um, I think uh, I think you know when I wrote all that, like, kind of repressive stuff, it was because I was completely repressed, you know, I didn't even know how to talk about my feelings or the kind of traumas I endured to make me, um, you know, like, escapism was a coping mechanism as a child that I had to use to survive, and then unpacking all that, and then, um, I think I... <laughs> I think I was so pent up and I had experienced so much like um, oppression and abuse in the comedy scene, as well as like the film industry that I became kind of unhinged and explosive, which like, I don't think I did anything bad by being really fucking angry at people being abusive towards me, but I did have to like learn how to rein in um, my diarrhea mouth of truth versus and and picking my battles. uh, So it, it was it was a really messy journey, being repressive, explosive, and then being like, "It's all right. You can be angry. You know, to you know, to tell everyone everything, though."
0: Yeah, I I can relate because I had a, I felt like, and I I don't know the details of what went on with your childhood, but there definitely I also had abuse and, um, my voice wasn't welcomed. Like you know, it was very much kids are seen, not heard, and. It took me a long time, way too long to be able to express my feelings, especially if I felt like my boundaries had been impeded and, or, uh, violated. And, you know, even with m- m- my wife, like it's been hard to like, I-, I had to overcome that to be like, Hey, I feel, and then express it without feeling guilt and shame, which is, yeah. is which is absurd.
1: Yeah. I, I think, um, whether it was my parents or even in the comedy scene, like men disrespecting my boundaries, I was always gaslit, um, where they deny my reality, deny the fact that they are crossing my boundaries. And so like, if you look up like the psychological effects of that, you feel guilty, you feel ashamed, you get low self-esteem. You don't have a good sense of like, um, by reality, I mean like, the fact that these guys are just being assholes, you know, <laughs> or <laughs> being assholes, like just internalizing it and just blaming yourself the entire time. So it's like it's an interesting thing to unpack. Like, oh, the reason why I feel so guilty is because I ne- no one ever allowed me to have space, and I need to like reclaim that space to so be like, my feelings are valid. Stop it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to feel. <clears throat> to accept that, uh, that your feelings are valid when you, I mean, when you spend decades being told otherwise, it's, uh, it's, uh, I used to get like static in my head, like literal, just like I felt static. I, I, and I couldn't uh, put articulate what I was feeling because it was just like, and I think it was like that repression that it was just built up in so many different ways. It didn't know how to come out.
1: Well, yeah, I thought um, I had an anxiety disorder and it just like it was all my fault. I'm just an anxious human being when really I realized all these people that were in in my environments were very um, toxic. And so I had that static in my head. I had I was really like, sweating. It was like, oh, there's a nervous girl. You know, she's so nervous and anxious. And it's like, well, with reason, you know, <laughs>
0: Plus, within the comedy world, usually, like if you're around shows and stuff, people are boozed up. God knows I was, and you become fuck you become boisterous and like if and I on the flip, I'm also very introverted and socially awkward, and that could really just like send me further like spiraling inward where I couldn't almost speak sometimes.
1: Oh, I used to pretend I lost my voice so I didn't have to speak. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, you're smarter than me. I would.
1: Well, well, I, as much as I was anxious, but like these people were just doing bits at me. I'm like, I don't want to engage in that. Like, like it's not fun that you're like telling me unfunny jokes to my face and it won't stop.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'd never, I just never enjoyed, and and it's funny too because like within the comedy like everyone is damaged to a degree in the comedy scene so it's like this overlapping of uh insecurity and 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 abuse and damage and it's like kind of a weird like not to because i also there's a lot of i have a lot of great friends i don't want to make it seem like we're all a bunch of crazy but but i mean i think of my earlier days and it was just like a hodgepodge of i was a mess i was just a mess
1: And I think, like, also, it's not just comedians. It's like, you know, like someone could say, like, oh, yeah, I heard comedians are really sad. I was like, so are dentists and plumbers and (laughs) and politicians and just general human beings as they're like, um, if they're aware enough to, like, you know, try to deconstruct why they're becoming little human tornadoes, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. When with poetry and music, where was the progression of away from comedy to was poetry first or was music before poetry?
1: Uh, <laughs> in high school I tried to write poetry, but it was so bad. <laughs> uh, like it literally was like about nothing. I think I'd like gone to hot topic too much. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was like, the thorns and the zipper on my mouth, like just super like like performative, like angst. And, and I think, so I, then I put that away because I was like, that feels untruthful. And then music kind of came along cause I guess, I don't know. I just wanted to sing, you know, and, <laughs> and, it, and I'd been I was in high school.
0: You, I'm sorry. I missed that. You were what in high school?
1: Oh, so I had been in a couple bands in high school and I kind of just missed that. And I, I just kind of used comedy venues as a way to do whatever I wanted.
0: Um. Yeah, because I've you mentioned this in with one of our exchanges. You said like I quit comedy and joined twenty bands without really not knowing how to play anything. Did you not have a full? Uh, were you not very good at playing something or uh, I, I'm, that's, I'm struggling? I,
1: think, I still don't know the names of the guitar strings. You know, like I actually don't know most of the names of chords and that sort of stuff. And I think all the bands I was in the they just really liked my energy of being like, yeah, and not dating. I was like, yeah, let's write another song. And I, I tend to have um, like too many ideas. So which is made for, it, it made it feel like um, kids playing, you know, like I have an idea and we're bouncing s- literal ideas off by playing music together. And it, and and finding it together, which felt like the opposite of comedy where it's like one person, particularly me, talking at an audience. It was like an exchange of ideas, a conversation, you know, with, with, with sounds, which was really, um, I don't know, I, I really missed. Um, I hated the transition when you're a child and someone asked you to play outside and then it became teenagers, and they were like, do you want to hang out? And that just meant sitting around. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, uh, because uh, uh, from like watching videos and stuff like you, I saw you with a saxophone. I saw you with some electronic thing that I don't even know what it's called and guitar. Like you seem, is it just sort of this, like you pick something up and you're like, I'm going to figure this out.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it's cause like, usually it's like, you know, like on a saxophone it's buttons. So you, you find all the buttons that sound, um, all right <laughs> that you can kind of <laughs> know and I, and I think with piano same thing they're buttons you just try to find the right buttons that uh, sound good to your ears so I think it's just literally playing with a toy and and, and I know if anyone else like heard this which I guess I just I don't care as far as like someone judging how out of tune it is I'm like yeah I'm just having fun when I die I'm not gonna be anxious about like oh no thing thing's out of tune I didn't know how to play <laughs> too me.
0: But did wh- how long did it take you uh, how many bands did were you in cuz you said like 20 but I
1: Yeah, like like 20. I think um cuz bands usually fall apart very <laughs> fast. Or like fights happen and you you see like family family dynamics come in and I tend to be the mediator within my own family and within any of my relationships And um, I immediately <laughs> If a band started fighting I would just quit So that's what I mean by 20 bands I was like okay what's the next band Oh this band Oh you guys are fighting I quit Like I just Kept jumping from one band to the other Just cause um, Because it was really fun <laughs> When
0: did you start When did you like Decide like Okay I'm gonna start putting out stuff uh, As Charlene Yee And not be in a band
1: um, I guess, yeah, be, I think later when I try to take music a little more serious, I, I realized I am kind of like a reluctant leader. I don't want to take care of the family of a band, you know? Um And not that I don't have my own stuff to take care of, but I, I do feel like I was always like the mom in, in bands. So after that, I was just like, I... I'm tired of telling everyone my new band name. <laughs> 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 I'm in their, like twenty, it's like old lumps, uh, keychain, um, broken eyes, which is a terrible name on purpose because it sounds like it's trying to be deep. But like million different names, and then I was just like, I'm just gonna say me, and whoever wants to play, we'll play, and maybe even for that night, we'll call ourselves something else. You know?
0: Yeah. Did you feel like? because when i've listened to your music like i feel like you're expressing them some of the songs are very powerful and i've there's a, a, a great deal of emotion and i was wondering if there was if there's any correlation between that and say when you were struggling to express yourself and repressing your emotions was did that become an avenue to express those emotions is there any connection between that
1: you're, yeah, you were exactly on point. I was like, <laughs> you asked, like, what was the transition between music and comedy? I'm like, oh, right. It, it was literally having to need an outlet to talk about my sadness, you know, and, 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 and my raging anger. And um, at first, I think the lyrics were pretty um, uh, encrypted. And then all of a sudden, I was just like, I'm going to sing exactly how I feel. I'm angry or I'm really fucking sad. I'm going to say these with my lyrics. And, um, yeah, I think it was very th- therapeutic. And one of the bands that was short lived was, an, um, my yelling band called the Rangdangs, and I, I got it all out in one album. <laughs> <laughs> There's
0: <And then> I- <laughs> uh, the, uh, the one video and the song, I, w- I can't remember what it's called. I know brain is in the title.
1: Oh yeah, I think
0: that's what it's called—just brain. <laughs> oh, but, that, that, but that's—it's great. Like I heard that and I was like, "Holy shit, this is incredible!" And I have to admit, like I, we, we started messaging each other on Twitter, and it literally just dawned me. I went, "Oh yeah, Charlene did music, or does music?" And I so I looked it up, and I was like, immediately just, like I had it, like left my brain like years ago that you were doing that, and then I was just blown, like I've been obsessed with it ever since and it's it's just incredible to me
1: uh, I'm better taking compliments but thank you <laughs>
0: <laughs> did it feel expressing those, how did it feel to finally like be able to be like I, ha- I have because, I, to back up a bit, I feel like when you perform comedy, like even the most honest of stand-up comics um about their lives there always seems to be a facade there's still a wall there's still a character involved to some sort of degree do you feel like there is a character involved when you perform or a facade when you perform music or are you just letting it go
1: um i think for the most part i'm letting it go i think you know if there's anxiety that day then there's probably some kind of performance like posturing of some sort to keep it together. But um, yeah, I, I, I was just thinking as, you're, as you asked that question a couple seconds ago about letting it out, um, I was thinking about how with the rankings, I'd never felt this feeling before where you, you, you're singing a song and all of a sudden when you belt it out, it feels like a crescendo inside of you. And that's something that was, was so well needed because I was like what what is that feeling in your chest when it feels like a cres- crescendo when you like sing a song? Like I'd never felt that in my life, you know. I feel like that that would be the feeling of what um someone would describe as falling in love or something. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, but instead of falling into love, it's like releasing something, like uh, almost like untangling like actual tangles inside my heart or my ch- chest or whatever, like this melody being reeled out on my throat and then it being like, okay, you got that anger out. Now you can breathe. So um, I don't remember what your question was right now, but that's my answer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, then then we don't need to, uh, was there a process of, just because I know from like other musicians and singers that I've spoke with that there was like a process of discovering their voice as a singer or uh, and their approach, was there a process with, of that with you or was it? Um,
1: yeah, I, I, I just remember this. I remember uh, while I was doing comedy, I was trying to teach myself guitar and I had a big boom box. So I, I started to record myself. Um. Anyways, I'm telling this story really poorly. Anyways, I, I had this comedy set and I drove three hours to LA to this comedy set where I lip sync my comedy set and when I pressed play it wasn't my comedy set it was me trying to sing like Mariah Carey <laughs> 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 I that range. and I thought like that's what singing is you know Mariah Carey anyways I tried to do some grace notes like ha, ha. turned off the cassette tape took it off stage and drove three hours back home Where? But, were- uh, go ahead.
0: oh just where was three hours away where were you living
1: um San Bernardino which is like technically an hour but with traffic it's three hours
0: is that where you're from
1: yeah uh I lived there most of my life yeah I mean as far as like my my childhood
0: did you eventually move to LA or did you sort of stay out that way
1: um when I was 18 I kind of was couch surfing and sleeping in my car for a while until um until I got hold of some money well i just couldn't afford anything like i remember someone was like yeah this rent's really cheap which in retrospect it is like uh, a pretty big room in echo park for four hundred dollars but i was like yeah i can't afford that you know gotta live in my car
0: i didn't know that that's wild
1: well now you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) um with your are you because you have your music videos for your albums are really great or your songs are really great do you are you creating those is that like here's my idea and then you get somebody to shoot it is that because it i don't i love all your videos as well
1: um i guess i don't even remember what my videos are i guess the the, the one of the train tracks yeah i think i was just like let's go, because I used to walk and hang out with the train tracks <laughs> and shoot PP cuts. So it was just like a regular spot where I hung out. I was like, let's go film here. And I think all my friends were, were always like, show us that the train spot you hang out at. So that one was that. Um, I don't even remember. I guess there was a wrestling video. I think that's something I was just um, before COVID, I was actually thinking about becoming a pro wrestler. So that was just something, a fantasy of mine to film me and uh, a friend wrestling.
0: I've read that about you, is that still something you want to pursue? I th- I found that really.
1: Uh... Um. I yeah, but now with COVID, n- not so much. And also, like, I don't know about you, but I've had ai have a bad back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a physical mess.
1: Yeah, I just like I I pulled my back two months ago because I was using a parasol to trim around the house, and uh. I just can't even imagine the condition of people's bodies of all the pro wrestlers.
0: Yeah, I—I uh, I mean, not to—not to brag, Charlene, but I had a hip replacement three weeks ago, <laughs> and I'm young. Yeah. Uh, I mean, young for that.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. It's How, does it feel sturdy again?
0: It's going to take. Uh, I I I. I'm mean, I, like I don't know why, but I got ashamed to say this. I like I have to use a walker for like six weeks.
1: Oh, it's not bad, six weeks. And I was like, even if it takes months to heal, I feel like that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, I two days ago I took my first shower in almost three weeks, and my wife still. And I say wife ironically, because I, I know that's an awful word, but I like I like ref- like I pretend I'm Amish and I'm like, wife, would you like to have breakfast? Because I just find the word so silly. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> It's like no one does that except for Amish people. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, she's got to dress me for the most part. Like I can't get my, I can't get my underwear on.
1: Well, it's nice that um, I, I mean, as someone who hates asking for help, I'm sure it's like nice to be like, oh, I can rely on you and let your guard down and be that vulnerable to to be like for the better health of my body to heal thank you for helping you my freaking <laughs> it's been
0: like humbling and like a, a much i think my brain needed the reset like of like not that i was like unappreciative of my the people around me but it's like it reminds it's nice to once in a while get a morality kick in the head or mortality and be like, oh, I these moments are precious, and these people are precious, and I need to remember this at all times because that's what's the important stuff is in this shitty world.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. I think uh, mortality. Yeah, definitely. Oh my, head, in my head.
0: Um, and you you moved out of I don't know if you want to say where you live, and that's fine if you don't. But you left California, correct?
1: Yeah, I, I'm in North Carolina right now. It's pretty public. I, I put it on my social media.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, A, I envy that. I, I have so many friends who've moved to North Carolina. It's, I'm like, what's going on over there? Is it pretty great?
1: Um, I mean, pre COVID, uh, I was like, wow, it's like out of a movie. There's like, I'm going to someone's backyard in the forest and there's a hayride. And like,. <laughs> <laughs> everyone like also hangs out around a fire like that that's just so magical to me you know i feel like it's coming from la not getting that much like green around me it, it's just been really um uh, kind of the best entertainment to me i was like oh my god the trees are changing oh man we're just hanging around in conversations like olden days and i i i think i do romanticize of like Uh, the idea of slowing down and being around people like uh, at least the people that I hang out with so far and I I know it's not just LA it's everywhere but it it seems like people aren't um too worried about trying to keep a relationship with someone who's in power that is no good
0: (laughs) oh yeah was that creatively freeing to sort of be away from because I always felt like Uh, We moved outside of L.A., but not, like, far. But it's, like, even that was, like, freeing. Like, when I go to the coffee shop, no one's talking about their auditions. No one's talking. It's, like, and I'm, like, I kind of, like, that's, that gets into your psyche. All that show busy, not uh, constant. And, like, I couldn't relax. Like, I was, like, I was always, like, I should be doing something to further my career. And it becomes exhausting. Did you find getting out of this that environment better for you creatively
1: um i mean i've definitely heard people out here have expressed the same anxieties of like success means you know fame or whatever out here but um but i i do think like um I just wanted to get away from Bella, <laughs> And also like to to be fair, like not to be fair, that's not even one has nothing to do with what I'm gonna say next. But um what I was gonna say was I don't hear as much superficial talk as far as um aging out here. It's it's really um it was really sad to hear how obsessed people are with staying young forever in Los Angeles. It's really um disheartening the idea of like obsessing with youth and never aging because it's, it's so shameful to people being human.
0: It's, it's baffling to me. Like Kelly and I, uh, that's my partner. We're both talking yesterday. I was like, I think I'm the only guy who can't wait for his hair to go gray. And she's like, yeah, I kind of want that too. Like, I, I, like, I, I don't know. It's, I love aging except for the hip, but it's like, but like, I, I don't, fuck up as much i i you see through the bullshit like i I, and you i start like just cutting out the garbage where i'm like all right you're toxic you're out of my life like i don't need you stuff you would never do in your 20s
1: yeah i i feel like um it's been a huge learning curve of like what is the word boundaries and um this like I, i even like this sounds probably very neurotic. But when I think about relationships that maybe I used to be more forgiving about, I think about grading how much this person takes from me versus gives as far as like equality and also like their history of toxicity versus their learning. I like grade people in our relationships and that helps me make it more black and white when I could cut someone out just because I was like, I think I'm forgiving to a fault where I'm like, Everyone has room, and they can all learn, but which just isn't true. Or they will learn, but just not in my timeline, where I won't be um, significantly affected.
0: Yeah, and it's like if they learn, then they'll wise up, and then they'll come back and apologize to me. Until yeah. until then, you're on your own, pal. <laughs> it's like
1: that's
0: yeah. Because yeah, I had a f- like a couple really toxic people, and they would like shit on my closer friends. Like they would like, uh, and I was just like it was just weird and it was like a lot of mind games and finally i was just like i don't need this man like i have good people like why would i keep this one person who repeatedly like it's almost like i was addicted to my esteem being knocked down like it was almost like going back to childhood type stuff
1: well there's also like which which i because i i always try to analyze like why was i hanging around with someone who is still cutting towards me and it's a trauma bond you know um, they build you up, praise you, cut you down. And that's like, um, part of like an addictive cycle of like having to get someone to want your approval, um, unconsciously, you know, um, and which is like, you know, uh, echoing my childhood.
0: <laughs> yeah. Have you, do you feel like these, the, the, you're resolving those childhood traumas or are you still on that path?
1: Um, i I think so. I mean, I definitely think I've grown significantly in this past or five years. Um I, I don't really hold hate. I think I just need to um, my biggest fault is not be so forgiving. <laughs> not by forgiving in the sense that like like I forgive my parents for being shitty people, but like forgiveness doesn't mean that I have to endure their abuse and have them in my life.
0: Yeah. It was moving away from the family also, like being, because being 2,000 miles away from your family makes a huge difference.
1: Well, like, I probably won't go too deep into this, but I, a couple of years I had to get a restraining order on my parents. That's how scary they are. And so that, knowing that they have no idea how to get to my house this time is like... <laughs> And nor would they fly or drive across the country to to me.
0: Yeah. I just, I have found like when I go home, like I never understood the Bible quote, like a prophet is without honor in his own home. And I'm not a big guy to quote the Bible, but like that phrase just always stuck in my head. And then like, when I go home, it doesn't matter what I've done or like, I still feel like I'm 12 or eight. Like there's just this, everything falls like start and and my mom's a sweet person but there's just these things that i regress and it's like it's like it's weird so that's to not go home so much helps
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i i've been trying to clock when um because the thing that gives me anxiety is if i have to perform around someone whether it's to protect myself you know Or if they're performing to protect themselves or they don't trust me or they're just kind of a performative personality. But I've been trying to clock my exchanges because I don't want anxiety. (laughs) And If I don't trust someone that I have to like posture, I kind of don't really want to engage, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I've like people who aren't being themselves give me anxiety and I wonder what that's. You know, like, when they put on a facade or perform, I wonder what, why that triggered, like, is that just uh, survival to me, going, like, this is not right?
1: Well, I, I don't, like, because I, I do realize, like, some people have a guard because of they, they want to trust you, you know, and it takes time, and yeah, 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 yeah. But then there are people who I just realize, I'm like, oh, we're not having, like, you're just performing at me. Like, that doesn't feel good. No. We're not in
0: um, I just, real quick too, I want to, I saw a thing where you mentioned that you wanted to write children's books and I was wondering if you have, I don't know how long ago that was written when I read it this morning, but are you still f- focusing on doing a children's book?
1: I, yeah, um, one of my first books was originally supposed to be a children's book, but then each chapter kept getting heavier and heavier, <laughs> 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 but, but I, uh, I mean, the book, uh, I, I'm, some, I'm proud of some of the, the stories. I think I just, the book was supposed to be 90 pages and then they pushed me to do 500, which you're just not going to get the same quality um, in the same, in, in the time frame that they expected it. But like, um, yeah, I, I'd like to do a single children's story. I, I, I've written one um, not too long ago that's about childhood, um, a child going through grief of losing one of their parents and just... Having a best friend to let it out, whether it's anger and needing to dance it out or um, cry about it, but um, I'm hoping to self-publish that one just because I don't really want notes on that one.
0: <laughs> right, when you were saying the thing about the, you were writing a children's book got that got too heavy. I was like, are there children's books for adults? Is that like a thing that it would be like a heavy? I don't know.
1: I think i don't I don't know what year you grew up, but in in the eighties for me, kids cartoons or kids' films were were pretty heavy, like the secret of NIM, you know, about testing on on lab rats and you know a widowed mouse who's the heroine of the story um fighting against corruption, you know, or five uh, which I've heard is about the holocaust um uh, all these cartoons at the time, were tackling really, really heavy issues. So I think I'm still in that mindset w- where I think, I don't, you know, depending on the age, like uh, kids can handle a lot more than we think because unconsciously or not non maybe very consciously, they are enduring like traumas in their life. And so it's almost like cathartic to see it written out so they can label it and figure it out and, and see that they're not alone.
0: Yeah, there's so much like my, the movies my daughter watches. There's like so much death, in and I'm like, please stop watching Bergman. That's a bad joke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I <know>. Oh, Bergman.
0: <laughs> I'm a Bergman, like Ing- Ing- Ingmar Bergman. Yeah. Um, but no, but there is. There's like they're all pretty heavy, and there's always like a, and I'm always like, I know I'm kind of fascinated by them revealing a, like a five-year-old or a four-year-old to death. And I, but I guess it's good to sort of, cause we Westerners aren't so good with death.
1: Well, it's so weird. I, I so I'm just going to recite something someone else said. I need to look this up. I can't find the reference, but I heard that the living room used to be called the parlor room where we would like um, expose ourselves to the person who was dying. And that's where they would be fed. And that's where they would rest. And death wasn't as hidden for us. And then it became the living room, which is like the complete opposite and where we're not as in touch with members of our own family that die in our own household. So I I don't know. I think it's interesting how we keep going from one extreme to the other where I'm like, probably probably some balance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I think you're right. I I think I heard that about the parlor room. That's, uh, yeah, that's true. I guess in like the 1800s and stuff, people died pretty regularly. Like it wasn't like you know, your kids died, you'd have 12 kids and five of them would die or like, it was just more of a, I I wonder why I blame Christianity because there's such a denial. I forget who the monk was, but he wrote a book about, uh, spiritual materialism, spiritual materialism, in which is how he labeled heaven of like, you're living life for this thing. That's not even there
1: yeah
0: I don't know that was a tangent, but
1: <laughs> but i it,
0: I related to that because I was like, yeah it's just like you're not being present and you're not dealing with death, you're dealing with this everything's gonna be okay once it's in the future
1: i i I have a bit of a tangent going back to you saying, like, Oh, are there any children's books for adults but I guess in my mind, when I let my guard down i i feel like reminiscent of a child where I am vulnerable and I am open and I want to play and I see I, I am present and I'm able to see like how beautiful the world is, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I think like, you know, um, I, I never smoked pot until maybe like three years ago for the first time. And that part of me that I used to be able to access that was like very childlike. Um I was able to reaccess it, and now I don't really need weed to do that. But I do miss weed, and North Carolina is has it illegal, so.
0: <laughs> oh, I was. Get, that's because I was never a big weed guy, and I got into it probably within the last year too. And it's kind of really helped my brain in a lot of ways. Like I don't get like super stoned and like zone out to TV, but I like to. It helps me realize patterns. It like when I first started doing it like I'd apologize to my wife often because I'd be like hey I do this thing and I'm really sorry I couldn't see it before but it's like it's really helped me
1: yeah I I mean I'm I I usually don't get high around people because (laughs) because I get really weird like I'll start crying (laughs) a lot um and I think for me I'm like super sensitive where it's not even that much weed, two hits and i'll hallucinate and see my whole life pass me and the world deconstruct into like particles and dance and then reconstruct again
0: that sounds great <laughs> which is
1: very humbling. like speaking of like oh sometimes you need a kick of mortality to make you appreciate life but it did make me feel like oh i gotta pre- i gotta stay present i gotta enjoy now
0: yeah that's i think it does that for me too And I'll like email myself little thoughts like, remember to do this and be, wake up and be thankful. But it's like, I have to do that. Like I'm not of the brain where I, I have to remind myself of these things. Otherwise I'll go, my neuroses will snowball.
1: Yeah, I, I, I keep, I think most recently I just kept trying to track down what, when I lost that part of me naturally without the weed. Um, it was definitely in my mid twenties when I lost that part of me, but it was exciting to have, like, especially during this dire time of all the deaths happening, um, having some moments where I did feel, um, like (laughs) I'm too embarrassed to even say, but like I was sleeping, I was trying to sleep and I was just so restless thinking about how many people are dying right now and angry and sad and, uh the moon was shining like a pool of light just around my head. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. moon." <laughs> <laughs> like that innocent part of me or like the childlike part of me came out. I was like, thank you, moon. Thank you for watching all this. <laughs> <Thank you."
0: laughs> but that's great. I mean, uh, I guess we, I just, we need those reminders. Do you, do you have any music that you're working on or any new music on the horizon for, people who like your music like me coming out or
1: uh yeah i i i've been working on some songs slowly but um i started writing some weird i was gonna make an album of piano songs where it sounded like from like romantic period piece music which is very specific like gonna look at that? like jane austen type of like pride and prejudice music like who? who is that for and then like I always just switch gears and then I started writing a country album and then I wrote something that was just more natural. So it's probably a hybrid of all three instead of three albums, it's something of probably just whatever comes out of my head, but yeah, a little romance, a little cowboy music. And <laughs>
0: uh, And just to, to wind it up is I, I'll put all, like your band camp in the show notes. And um, are there any other things that, People need to visit to find more things that are Charlene, Charlene. Yee.
1: Um, look out your window. <laughs>
0: <laughs> look at the moon.
1: Yeah. Look at the moon more. Yeah. Who destroys me. Thank
0: you very much for listening to conversations with Matt Dwyer. Please remember to go to the link tree. Uh, link in my show notes and support me on Patreon if you can, or just tell your friends about the show. That would really mean a great deal to me. Tell people about the show and follow my social media. And again, if, if you like, join the Patreon, become a subscriber, and get bonus material, videos, blogs, all kinds of stuff. Thank you very much for listening.